Welcome to Blueprint CFO Presents, our every other Friday podcast featuring future-focused entrepreneurs. Today's guests are Fergus and Gabriela Hernandez of Besame Cosmetics. Hi, Gabriela and Fergus. Hi, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great. So let me tell you a little bit about Besame and then a little bit about our, our sponsor, Blueprint CFO, and then we'll kick into our questions. Um, Besame started a few years ago, almost 20 years ago, actually. And so they've been, been a lot of good stories. I'm sure that Gabriella and, and Fergus will share with us today. Um, their focus is on the unappreciated glamour of this vintage cosmetics. So that's pretty interesting. They have a really unique niche and a lot of really dedicated and loyal customers that come back to buy over and over again. Today, they may, Besame, by the way, means a kiss me in Spanish. And uh, today, the, the company manufactures mascara, lipsticks, powders, and um, other, other things that you'll find on their website, bestamecosmetics.com. We'll learn a little bit more about the company in a minute. Our sponsor of the podcast is Blueprint CFO. We're a fractional CFO and accounting services company. Most accountants, uh, unfortunately, are just historians. They, they take a look at your books and tell you how much money you made in a prior month. But at Blueprint CFO, our focus is on the future, what we call future-focused accounting. We're trying to help our clients learn from the past and do better in the future. We excel in, in initially doing great accounting, making sure the accounting is correct and so that we have good data to bring to the client to help them see maybe what's working and maybe what's not working in their business so that we can create an action plan for improving it. So let's uh, begin our podcast with the questions for Fergus and Gabriella. Um, team, when did when did you start Besame? Wow, I'll take this one. Yeah. Um, Besame Cosmetics started as, I think, a dream and a pilot back in 2002. Started development sketches. It was really, um, I'd say, just a, a hobby or a dream, just, mm -hmm. you know, blue sky wasn't any. And then uh, it kind of developed and launched to the uh, market um, November 2004. November of 2004. And um, what led what led you to start it? I mean, I, you probably had other jobs at that time. I, Fergus was telling me that all the business cards behind behind the uh, their desk there are cards they had for different companies they work with. Oh, yeah. You, you want yeah. Um, well, uh, at, at the time, I uh, at the time, I had a design firm because my background is in, in photography. And so as Fergus is actually, uh, we both graduated from uh, Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. And so we have, uh, I have fine art and, and photography background. Fergus has also photography background. So um, we had photography studios for a while uh, and then translated that um, when that business changed because of Photoshop and what happened with Photoshop and retouching and all of that, when that launched many years ago, um, we kind of translated our skills into, uh, I did more art direction and design and Furious uh, started doing more computer work and color coloring and uh, coloring comic books and doing all kinds of things for different companies. So um, so at the time I had a design practice and I was doing 
work for other other people. So this was a side project for me. I was I thought you know I was doing cosmetic work for other people at the time as well, and uh, I thought what would I personally like? What what is attractive to me as a consumer that I don't really see in the market? And and I started to um, sketch and design things that I thought were interesting based on what I remember as a child seeing my grandmother and other people in my life that I considered glamorous when I was young, uh, doing their, their thing and how that uh, reflected on, on me as an adult. And, and, uh, and so I translated those memories into the products that I started to make. And, oh, so your grandmother was your inspiration, it sounds like. Yes. Yeah, she, she was, uh, because it, it really was a time when people didn't have as many things. So it was more of a minimalist approach to things. But, you know, how they groom themselves and how they take care of their of themselves had a lot to do with um, the whole look. And it wasn't just the makeup. It was everything else. Yeah. So when you were both growing up, um, it sounds like you weren't really thinking about being in the cosmetics industry. You were <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, no, no. We're bo both artists, really. Uh, you know, we were. I, I, I was into the arts as a, a very early age. I always thought that I would do something with the arts. I, I didn't know what. Obviously, <clears throat> at the time when you're young, you know, your parents don't necessarily encourage uh, careers in the arts because they don't see that as a lucrative way of making a living. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, you know, so I pursued other, other things because, because uh, you know, uh, it, it seemed like um, maybe studying law was a better thing. So I studied law for a while, which had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, but, you know, it, it does it, everything you learn. I think it, it's never wasted because you end up using part of that in your business sooner or later. So, um, so, you know, that, that's, that's how we developed into what we're doing today. Yeah. Were you always interested in cosmetics, Gabriel? Or, or? Uh, no, I, I, I wasn't interested in, in cosmetics per se. I mean, I, I enjoyed the color because yeah. color is something that we, we really, you know, are very close to as far as like choosing colors and, and, and dealing with color, but, um, but not, not necessarily to be in, in manufacturing cosmetics per se. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, going back to 2004, that's 19 years ago, uh, roughly, that yeah. you started the business. And I'm sure along the way in those 19 years, there's been uh, twists and turns. So is there anything that um, you, you can think of in terms of a rough spot you had and what you did to get through it that uh, you could share with our audience? Wow. I think that's a lot of rough spots. <laughs> that's a lot of spots. Day, day one was was rough spots. Um, we mm -hmm. we had the uh, the typical you want to do what, um, yeah. and and I think what what really um, it was a question of uh, seeing the vision, the passion for what we were doing, um, and just kind of persisting. Uh, I mean, the very beginning, we just I can't tell you how many, you know, dozens of calls just to try and get something made, something formulated, something you know doors slammed in our face um yeah wow. uh, and, and then once we got something made um you know building a website it was not what it was now you know we're on version you know 16 of the website that 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 was an obstacle wow. um trying to get into distribution um people didn't understand what we were doing why we were doing it um and you know 18 years ago 20 years ago um 
you know, you sounded Hispanic, that closed a whole nother series of doors. Um, and, and, but yeah, it was, a, you know, it was, a, it was a time when, when, when like now you have niche brands all over the place and, yeah. and, and uh, there's all kinds of ideas about makeup and people make all kinds of things and, and they find an audience. It wasn't like that many years ago. It was a really very hard set rules to things. So if you were out of, outside of that, uh, it was very difficult to get to get any kind of distribution or even get manufacturers to take you seriously because it just wasn't the time where people could just show up somewhere and say, Hey, I want to make this. And somebody would actually make it for you. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you had to convince them, you know, at that point. Yeah. What about when the recession hit a few years ago, <clears throat> you know, it seems like it was just yesterday, but it was 15 years ago, 2008, 2009, is, oh, yeah. is your company somewhat recession-proof because um, the, the women that buy the products are still buying them? Or Well, yes, and I'll, I'll take yeah. part of this. Yeah. Yes and no. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the customer base was there, but back then we weren't um, as direct-to-consumer as we are now. So what felt like months, less than a few months, 90% of our U.S. distribution shuttered. What really, at that point, what really saved us um, was Europe. Oh, the wow. appreciation for what we do um, at times is greater outside of the United States. So we, we did a slight pivot and, and started, you know, increasing our exports. Um, and that really kind of got us through uh, that, that patch. Yeah. And obviously we evolved to more direct to consumer as a result. Right. Well, I was going to, so I, most companies um, start out in distribution by having retail stores. And I know you've, you have all been in Sephora and you've had your own stores, your own store. And um, so is there any tips there in terms of how you, how you view that at this point? I mean, over time, more and more people are buying online now, I would assume. Well, I'd say today yes. is a dramatic, today it's acceptable to be direct to consumer. That hands down, you can launch, exist, be sold, um, direct to consumer. 20 years ago, if you didn't have the prestige of a footprint, you weren't taken seriously. So that's right. been, we, we watched that evolution. Yeah. And, and customers weren't as, uh, you know, they weren't as willing necessarily to buy online that's as true. they are now, you know, because, because obviously cosmetics are something people like to test and try and all of that. So yeah. it, it was a, a big barrier to, to, to that. Uh, uh, a while ago. Now people are feeling more comfortable with yeah. people buying online, even for cosmetic products um, than they were before. So, so it's a lot easier now to just be a direct to consumer brand than it was years ago. Um, so it, I think it's, it's, it's acceptable, it's acceptable now to, yeah. to yeah. be that way, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, when I go into Bloomingdale's or Nordstrom's or Macy's, there's a, always on the first floor a large area devoted to cosmetics. And the ladies there um, trying to get you to try stuff on and all that. So that's still happening, but more and more people are now comf more comfortable with just going online and, and buying the product there, too. Yes. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, it helps. Obviously, it's, it's, it's good to have kind of more of uh, omni-channel distribution and have some partners. But I think now you can be more choosy as to what partners you want to partner with instead of having to blanket like the whole country with, you know, a, a big chain. You, yeah. can, you can be more choosy and say, no, I'm going to partner with only this, um, this retailer 
and and then we're going to build the business like that and which is a lot more strategic than it was before uh which is like let's put it everywhere kind of thing right right so you've owned your own business for quite a long time i know uh, prior to that you you were employees for different companies what's the best part of owning your own business that you could share with other entrepreneurs well, the, the flexibility obviously is the best part because you end up working long hours because everybody does. When it's your own business, you, you kind of have to work long hours because you're you're kind of never that far away from it. It's, it's hard to get away from things that need to be done. Uh, but but you can be flexible as to when you work. So like if you have children, uh, you can you know, make dinner and put them to bed and that, and then go back to work when they're going to sleep, you know, so you can kind of, you know, do your schedule a little bit better, but it doesn't mean that you don't have to put in the hours. I think people think that maybe you don't have to put in as many hours when, when you're, uh, you have your own business, which is not really the case. It's actually more so that you have to put more, more hours than, than if you work for somebody else. But um, but it is more rewarding because you do, do see the results of, of, of your work. You can, you can, uh, um, definitely more connected to it. Yeah. You're more connected to it. Um, and you can schedule things around things, which is again, the flexibility to, to kind of do your own thing. If you, if you like to, to kind of, you have to be kind of a self-motivated individual, I think to, to have your own business because nobody's going to be telling you, Hey, you need to get this done. You have right, to be right. to yourself this. I need to get mm-hmm. this done. So. Yeah. Yeah. What's so, I mean, what's the worst part? That's the good part. What's, what have you found? That's the hardest part of owning your own business. I'd say the hardest part is finding the discipline to control the best parts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. That is the key. Yes. Cause if you don't, if, if you, if you don't have the discipline to get stuff done when you need to get it done, um, efficiently, then you'll never, you'll never have time. You'll never yeah. make time for yourself. Right. Uh, so I think that the hardest I mean, is there's, I'm running a business and I'm running my own business too. So there's lots of different facets of that. You know, there's people, there's products, mm-hmm. there's customers, right. There's collecting the money, um, managing yeah. the money. So in, in what's the part of designing new products? I mean, new services, new products. What's the, what's the part that you like to do the best? Well, for me, definitely the designing new products because, uh, you know, I'm a designer, so I love to put my artwork. Basically, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of part of me. It's my artwork that I'm putting out to people and saying, hey, you know, here's a piece of my artwork that you can purchase. Um, because I consider it that I consider it kind of a form of self-expression for me when I design like custom compacts or, you know, I make limited edition pieces and that um, those pieces are kind of like my, my self-expression. So I love to do that. The parts that I don't enjoy the, the, is obviously the, the, the financials and the business part and all of that. I mean, I, I have to do it. And, um, and that's the, the, the point of, actually having your business that you have to do things that you like but also things that you don't necessarily enjoy as much and you kind of have to get all of them done so i get to share i get to share in her journey of the craft and 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 being a soundboard Mm -hmm. uh not only of of the same history that we share and the research that we do um but also a little bit 
you know, as a soundboard of, you know, does it need to be to 11? Can it be to 10? How can we manufacture it? And then um, I guess the other end of my favorite is really uh, how people react to it. Because that, that, that's an immeasurable joy. No, I know. A memory when someone has found their favorite red lipstick and, and it's off their bucket list. Those are feelings that translate to you. Even if it's uh, a voicemail that we get, we still get handwritten letters from customers, uh, reviews that we get online. Those are that that's an immeasurable joy that is that's you know it's one of my favorite parts is how our products impact other people yeah i mean you both have a creative background and went to the art yeah. center and that's where you met i think right yes yes yeah. that's where we met yes and we got married after we graduated yeah nice um so um, I'm, I didn't look today, but uh, every day that I look at the stock market, it's crashing and going down and um, <laughs> people are announcing, you know, layoffs and everything's slowing down. So they've been saying there's going to be a big recession coming. I, ha I haven't seen it too much in my clients, but how is, how is it affecting your business this year? Um, I mean, we haven't seen a big dip in what we do. Um, you know, we are. I think uh, a small indulgence that makes a huge impact um, in people's lives. So I think in the grand scale, if you look at the, um, I'm trying to remember what study, um, lipsticks mm -hmm. is one, I think one of the last things to go when, you know, in, in the hierarchy. Um, I, I think people are, I mean, we, we do notice people are more careful with yeah. what they're spending. People are more cautious right now than they've been before. So maybe if they used to buy three items, they buy two or they buy one mm -hmm. or, you know, so, so people are being a bit measured, I, I've noticed in their purchasing. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that since even, you know, the tail end of last year. I I, uh, I I saw that coming uh, because we did do a big show uh, at that point with Disney and and uh, you could see that people were definitely being more cautious with their yeah. spending. So so I can I, I I can see that in the in the customer behavior, but that doesn't mean that they don't want to feel good and buy something nice for themselves. You know, um, uh, obviously it's not a high ticket item. You know, it's it's, it's a smaller thing. So, so it's an easier thing for somebody to do for themselves and, and uh, get a lift, you know, from something. Um, so, so we, we, we see it, but, but maybe not as much as, as maybe higher ticket items. Yeah. Okay. Good. So in a normal work week, um, how many hours are each of you working in, do you think that's a good number or do you think you work less hours? Is it like 24 seven? Like I am, it's, you know, it's, it's hard because it's to, very hard, yeah. back to your earlier question of what we love and hate. Um, it really depends on what we're doing because, you know, at a high level, I could say, I don't feel like I've worked in, in 19 years because we really love what we do. So of the, you know, is there two or three hours of the day that are eh, not my favorite? Yes. Um, but even when we're not working, our wheels are spinning. Hey, that's a great idea. Oh, you know what? That other thing we were talking about, let's roll that in together. So the 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 creative never actually turns off, which mm -hmm. is, I yeah. think, part of the joy that we have of what we do. Because there's yeah. always 
there's always inspiration wherever wherever we go. Um, so that that never goes away. Um, so it's hard it's hard to judge. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I don't think it ever turns off. I mean, as a designer, I'm, I'm I need input to put things out. So I'm always looking for input. You know, yeah. so I'm always processing yeah. and inputting things and seeing what what can come out out of that. Do you have like a creative space you go in, Gabriella, to do your uh, thing? Yes, I, I I I I enjoy being by myself. You know, because uh, uh, I mean, I, I think all artists are because it's it's all in my head and it's like I I I lose track of time when I do that you know I'm kind yeah. of somewhere else and then in my own in my own head in my own space so um so I'm used to that I mean I, I grew up like that anyways because I'm an only child and I didn't have a lot of people around we moved a lot when we were younger uh when we moved to this country too I had nobody here nobody yeah. uh here that I knew so so I'm I'm kind of used to um, being able to entertain myself and you know you know kind of process things and just think and right. uh, and uh, imagine things mm -hmm. that are not real and then try to make them real. Right, right. So you, I think you were born in Buenos Aires, I remember. Yes, yes, that's right. Yes, yes. And what, how old were you when you moved to the U.S.? Uh, fourteen. Oh, okay, so. Yeah, you still have memories of Buenos Aires then, probably. Oh yes, yeah, very much so, and 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 uh, it was definitely a shock uh, coming from uh, a really small town over there where I knew all my neighbors, and you know, you went down the street to buy your bread and your, your you know, your meat or your vegetables and that, to to uh, New York and the Bronx. That's yeah. that's basically yeah. the first place I lived in. Welcome in to America. In New York. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Imagine the Bronx. Exactly in the, the Bronx. Bronx. Wow. In the late seventies, you know. So it was a, uh, it was yeah. definitely a, a culture shock for me. And yeah. I didn't know the language. I didn't know anybody. It was definitely, um, I would say, uh, a more uh, sink or swim environment kind of thing. You know, yeah. uh, so you learn to be self-sufficient pretty quick. Um, and I think um, those experiences did help help me as, a, as an entrepreneur to be uh, very much self-sufficient to be able to solve problems, you know, on yeah. my own. Um, sure. So this is our little commercial part of the podcast. You know, you've been working with Blueprint CFO for not even that long, maybe six months now. And mm -hmm. is there anything you can share with respect to how we're helping you run the business better? Oh, I clarity. I think uh, one of the phrases you showed us uh, early on was the cost of chaos. Um, and, and that is just, that was like a, a, a pebble just rippling through almost everything. Um, it really gave us the clarity and the lens to start really slowing down, looking at everything that was going, everything that was going on um, and, and, you know, Changed the, the whole way we run we run the business and, and and tremendously more efficient now just just from that clarity um, I'd say it was priceless. Well, thank yeah. you. I remember when um, I, I think it was Gabriella called me and or it might have been Fergus, but I I said why why are you thinking about bringing in a fractional CFO? And you said, well, we've been doing this for so many years. And we just think it'd be smart to get an outside third party to look at how we run the business and see if there's things that we should be doing different. And, you know, 
every time we have a meeting, we meet every other week, roughly. And every meeting is kind of amazing in terms of the things that come up that we could save money on or make more money on. And, uh, you know, it's really been a huge, in my opinion, difference to the business. And and now we've rolled out our, our plan for 2023. And in January, we outperformed the plan, which is super exciting. Hopefully we'll continue to outperform the plan as we go, go through the year here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, because, you you know, we're, we're huge adapters, you know, just through our journey because, you know, you figure it out your best you can, you get stuff done. Um, but there, yeah. And I think we both had said we reached a point where, you know, let, let's get another set of eyes. Let's get some clarity. Um, and then as soon as we had that clarity, it was, yep. you know, yeah. We can act on it. Well, well, I love working with you because you're so receptive to change and you're you're like a sponge in terms of ideas. And you come back, you know, I, you, you shock me when you come back. Wait, well, hey, here's what we did, you know, and we saved X amount of money on this. I'm like what? We didn't even talk about that one. So that's <laughs> Well, yeah. And, and it goes back to the chaos, because when we're we are capable, not efficiently, but you're capable to do in so many places when you start eliminating those things and really get down into focus, you can be tremendously efficient. And and that's, yeah. you know, one thing we have always been nimble when we can focus and see an issue, we resolve it. And and yeah, being able to slow down and see the chaos that was going on helped us eliminate. And the clearer we the clearer we see, the clearer we can act. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, we had never looked that closely on like, you know, what people were spending on supplies or what people were doing, you know, uh, with events or whatever it was. So, you know, there was a lot of things that we weren't aware that money was just kind of flowing out to yeah. things that uh, were either no longer in use or not really needed or, or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so really looking at things, you know, line by line um, uh, was was a great eye-opening well, kind of thing but you know also, what if, but when you're running and trying to all yeah it, you you just you're oblivious yeah, to yeah. it you're you kind of leave things yeah because you can't be on everything so it's very easy to ignore things that you're not really focused on and it, and, it seems and they're obviously kinda, simple but yeah it's, it seems simple but it's no. e it's an easy thing to overlook actually i mean I, one thing i, I want to say you know i talked before about great accounting how you have to have great accounting and um yeah you know I don't know how you ran the business before with the accounting service you were you were um, using because the financial statements were not correct, uh, as we have found out. And so I don't I don't have no idea how you were running the business because you were basically flying blind there. And well, again, I think that's the one big thing we did is clean up the financial statements so that when we get them every month, they they make sense and they're correct. Yeah. Yeah. Oh sure. Well, I mean, again, that that that's part of the the adaptability. You know, you adapt to what's happening. And then again, part of the chaos, you know, we're in, 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 can get engulfed in too many, you know, we tend to be geeks about what we make. Yeah, we do. We're, you know, the passion can pull you too far in one direction and you just think, well, that's being taken care of until you see. Yeah, that we, we went to a major firm to have that yeah, paid a exactly. lot of money and they didn't do a good job and you know, it's shocking actually but exactly yeah. which we thought okay well maybe we need to invest in a larger firm to do a better job that's what we thought when we hired those people but it, yeah. it, it turned out to be the opposite and we didn't you know we yeah. really didn't know because we we thought yeah. okay we're not accountants you know you're they not should, supposed they to should know, know. Yeah. they should know well, uh, actually right they're a big firm they should know yeah. what they're doing 
Um, but obviously, we we didn't know to enough yeah. to to know that they weren't actually doing their yeah. job. Well, yeah. and, that, and you know that circles right back to your your chaos, um, your your cost of chaos, mm-hmm. uh, which which for us for me dominoed to the realization that really nothing's on autopilot. If you think it's on autopilot, it's going wrong. <laughs> make sure, yeah, it's, make it's, sure it's, it's, it's 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 you know? Yeah, and then simplify the business too. Simplify things where you know you're you're still functioning at a, at a high level. You're making the money you need to make, but with less complications. You know the things that aren't adding to your bottom line. You know, get rid of those things. You know, uh, so so clean yeah. it up so that it's definitely a more manageable system. You know. Yeah. So we're gonna wrap it up now with our my last question, um, which is. We may, we may not have any more things to, to even offer up to other entrepreneurs, but is there any last tips or things, you know, think, things that entrepreneurs should be looking at or of trying to avoid going down the road as they as they open up their company or start their company that, you know, you can can um, share with them the, you know, things that you've learned with 19 years of uh, success, but probably, you know, sometimes going backwards and going forwards at the same time. Do your research. Be really passionate about what you're what you're doing, whatever it is, and share your enthusiasm. Because if you're passionate about something, it will translate. If you feel like you're selling it and you're forcing yourself to do it, it's going to come across. Yeah. yeah. So just doing it to make money and not really right. Yeah, it, yes. yeah. yeah, there needs to be other reasons. Also, you know. Be careful when you hire people, you know, don't hire people uh, right away um, and see if you can um, use freelance people or hire people on contract. But um, having a lot of employees is 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 becoming more and more expensive. It's, it's a very large expense. So at this point, um, you know, bring in only the senior people that you think you need to run the business correctly, but all the other services, you know, there's uh, so much more flexibility with um, independent contractors nowadays than there was years ago. That mm-hmm. I think that's a it's yeah. a it's a better way to go than to really have you know salaries for yeah you know, a lot so of you, people. I mean, obviously, you guys have outsourced your accounting and finance to us, yes. but also you've outsourced mm-hmm. your marketing. Yes. And uh, that's been a, a real winner so far, you know, so. Yes. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. And then and then you don't need the offices. You don't need the locations. So, you know, it's like all of that idea that you need an office, you need a fancy, you know, whatever reception area and that it's not necessarily uh, so anymore. You know, yeah. people can yeah. operate out of anywhere, really Pretty much that yeah. probably hurting the office. Um, space industry, but yeah, I, I mean, I mean, the, you know, you you know, the shared spaces work well if you need a place to meet people, and that yeah. the shared offices uh, sometimes are a good bet to 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 just get a subscription, so you can you can use the meeting rooms and things like that. But um, but yeah, I'd be careful with offices, really, because I, I don't think people want to show up to an office as much anymore. Uh, and you you can you know have meetings once in a while with people or, or have virtual meetings and still run things uh, you know yeah. 
so yeah. So keep costs down. Yeah, keep yeah keep keep the costs as as low Cash as possible. Be, yeah. be conservative, yeah. right? And don't spend a lot of money on things that maybe not going to pay off. Exactly. If it doesn't translate to the customer in some way, you shouldn't really be spending money on, on it. Yeah. Okay, well, that's going to wrap up our episode for this week. And um, our next episode will be uh, Friday, March 10th at 1215. We have yet to determine our guests uh, for those for that episode, but it'll be coming out relatively soon on LinkedIn and on our website. So thank you very much, everybody, and so long for now. Thank you.